Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Today we're talking about transforming setbacks into stepping stones and we all have to learn how to do this if we're going to make it in life. So during the next hour with our guest Kim Clark today, you're going to discover the top three biblical examples of how God views setbacks, five pitfalls we need to avoid when reeling from a setback, Four productive ways to discern the will of God in the midst of confusion. Three ways God challenges our faith while we are facing setbacks. How to transform our setbacks into stepping stones. Three bondage-breaking strategies. How to overcome obstacles and use them for good. And the number one most effective way to triumph over setbacks and experience joy. Our guest today is Kim M. Clark. She's the author of the award-winning, hope-filled book, Deep Waters, lift your gaze. She's also a dynamic public speaker, publisher, and Bible teacher who passionately seeks God. Her website is KimMClark.com. Welcome to you, Kim. So excited to have you with us today. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Well, I am excited to have you. You're one of our speakers of ourwomenspeakers.com, and you have walked through some deep valleys that have brought you to a place where you are able to speak to this from the other side. You've, you live through it, and you can share with us some of these things that God has taught you um, through the valley. When did you start writing your book, Deep Waters? Oh, great question, Marnie. I started writing about three and a half years ago, and the Lord just kept speaking to me, and I just kept insisting I write this book, and I felt like I was pregnant for three and a half years. So I'm excited this is finally out, and I can't believe it's an award-winning book, and I'm just in awe of God that can use a crack vessel like me to shine through his glory. I'm, I'm amazed at him. And isn't that, I, I think about that so many days that I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude that God doesn't wait for me to be perfect because that's never going to happen. He just um, keeps working with me right where I am today, flowing through me right where I am today. And I just love that. Um, So let's talk about the top three biblical examples of how God views setbacks. Oh, awesome. Definitely. You know, one thing I was, I was preparing for this, I was praying on it, and I thought the Lord wanted me to define a setback and a stepping mm-hmm. stone because I thought, you know, it, it could be anything. Um, and I looked up Merriam-Webster, and a setback means a checking or blocking of progress. It could mean a defeat or reverse. And a stepping stone, also by Mer- Merriam-Webster, is a stone on which to step as a crossing a stream or a means of progress or advancement. And I got to thinking about this, and I thought the biblical way how God views step, setbacks and stepping stones, I, I believe they're the same thing. I, and, mm-hmm. and for me, my, my definition of both of them is something God uses to protect us, whether we're moving forward in our mind or he's holding us back for a reason. 
I'll give you a really quick example. My girlfriend and I were going on it. We pray, we pray and walk together weekly. And we turned this corner. We're walking along praying. And this man in, you know, in, in wearing this reflective gear is motioning us wildly to stop. And we stopped. And my girlfriend was like, he's not saying anything. So she just went forward. But I felt that God hand on my chest. And I pulled her back. And right in front of us on the sidewalk was this huge, big, fat, black snake. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I just, after that pass, I thought, isn't that true? How sometimes God has his hand on our chest and we view it as a setback, as mm-hmm. a defeat or reverse or blocking of progress. But God's saying, no, I'm, I'm doing this so the enemy can pass. And I was like, ooh, and and so for me, I think it's something God uses to protect us because we can see as a negative, like I really want to move forward. God's like, I have something so much better for you. You just have to trust me. And I think we see that biblically as well, as in, and I I believe there's no such thing as a setback to God. God uses all of our our detours, and He doesn't waste a tear or an action, and they're all divinely inspired. And control because if we know and trust our God, He's working all things out for good. If we know it in our heart that He's sovereign, He's transcendent, He's omnipotent, He's all present, He's omniscient, and we know that how big He is, and know that He's even bigger to work what we consider quote unquote a setback for good. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God works all things for good. Then He can even work our quote unquote setbacks for good mm-hmm. and actually make them stepping stones. And the biblical examples I had. Um, and actually, I pulled these from my book, Deep Waters, Let Your Gaze, because actually that's what it, it's about is how through our deep waters, God commands us to lift our gaze. And one of the chapters is, I am in the fire. And in, in that instance, we had Shadrach, um, Meshach, and Abednego. And here they were. They were doing good. They were walking worthy. And they still got thrown in the fire. <laughs> and as a result, a wicked king sees Jesus praises God and promotes the three of them to higher positions in province of Babylon. So what we would consider a setback, being thrown in the fire, stepping stones to something so much more amazing. And that was my first biblical example. My second one I had, it was Esther. And I actually talked about this in my book as well. And I tell that chapter, Why Me? And goodness, her, and that event was, she was submitting to authority. She submitted to her uncle. She became queen. She submitted to the authority in the kingdom. And her uncle's coming to her and saying, hey, look, you and your entire race is going to be annihilated unless you do something. So she risks everything. She fasts. She prays. She risks her life. Then, and, and, brave, and, and obeys God, even though it's against the laws, goes in. The, the king extends her scepter, as he does to us. And he, God turns all the events around so that the Jews aren't the annihilated, but the Jews then have the potential to decimate all their enemies. Which, again, mm. setback being, oh, the entire race is going to be annihilated. Stepping stone is, you know, guess what? You get to not only destroy all your enemies, but you get to now plunder all their, <laughs> all their goods. So it's just kind of incredible how we would view as a setback. God says, no, I'm, actually, I'm using that actually for good because he's that big. And the third thing I had is my favorite is the cross. Well, now it's my favorite, but at the time, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, mm. the event there was... Right. Jesus, living a perfect, sinless life, dies like a criminal and, tort- and tortured on the cross. If I was looking at that then, I'd say, yeah, this is a bad thing. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is not even a setback. This is, this is horrific. But then as a result, 
it was the best thing for all humanity because now humanity, me included, are reconciled with a holy God. And we can now, by our faith in Jesus, approach the throne of grace of a holy God, which we would never have access to prior to that quote-unquote setback. So, and there's so many other examples in the Bible, Judah, Tamara, Rahab, Moses, Peter, and Paul. But my big three were, you know, the, our three friends in Daniel, Esther, and, and Jesus on the cross. Those were my mm-hmm. big three. Uh, Love those. Yeah. I'm turning it all into good. Yeah. And, and and as we go through the Bible, I mean, that's all about that. It's all, it all looks sad or hopeless or upside down or whatever. And God just pulls it out. And I think he loves to do that, be the, be the hero that swoops in and saves the day. Amen. And it's hard for us to trust him because sometimes he doesn't do that the way that we want it to look. Sometimes he, all the time, he doesn't do it as fast as I want him to do it. Uh, I love that new, um, not so new anymore, but um, Lauren Daigle's song, you know, um, Yes. about trusting you. I just, I'll trust you. I trust you when you don't part the waters, when you don't make it happen as fast as I want or the way I want, I'll still trust you. So you talk about five pitfalls that we need to avoid when reeling from a setback. And and I'm assuming that this is like, okay, you all of a sudden realize you're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. You're going to be hung on a cross. You're going to have your entire nationality wiped out. Now, what are some things that can trip us up right there? Oh, absolutely. And and I, I do address these in my book as well. But I think the first one I had was wallowing in self-pity. And we can get stuck in the why me. Why, why am I? Why me? Why me? And I see that and Esther could have been so stuck there. And what, what do you mean? I have to, why do I have to go to the king and risk my life? <laughs> you know, why me? And I think that's a, a big one. We can get just, and I think we can avoid that if our, and all these can be avoided simply by changing our focus on God. So if our focus is on our problems, we can get stuck in waddling and self-pity. Or if our focus on our God, we can go, you know, wait a minute, what I know about my God, that's going to change everything. And the second pitfall, I think, my opinion, we need to avoid is coveting others' gifts, the poor mm-hmm. me's. So poor me, I, I, I'm not stunningly beautiful like Marnie. So I can't have a talk radio blog or I don't have that gifting and, or I don't have that gifting that she has or he has and, and focus on other people's gifts and elevating them far above what the gifts God has placed in us. Cause in every person, God placed amazing gifts and, and truth. And, and it's kind of, we don't need to worry about what God's doing with anybody else what Jesus actually told Peter about John, like, Hey, whatever happens to him, I'll take care of him. We're, we need to focus on what God's doing us and not, and not going to the poor me's and covening other people's gifts, forgetting what the great stuff God's doing in us. The third tip all I have is accepting the lie. It will never get better. I have this, the woe is me. (laughs) And I think I, I can be tempted into this. I can be tempted all these areas, Marnie. I am not above any of these, but I can be tempted to, Woe is me is like, oh, this is how it is. It will never get better. Oh, my life is now drudgery and I'm putting on the martyr, you know, uh, billboard and walking around with that. And, and, and that's not our God. This, even if we are experiencing a setback, it's temporary. And sometimes we see what good he's going to work this side of eternity. Sometimes we have to wait. But I think not getting stuck in that pitfall, the woe is me. It's powerful. It's also it's also necessary to move forward and turning these to setbacks. 
The fourth one I had is giving up. And I have this, the me's doomed. <laughs> I'm doomed. So, yeah, I think we can all kind of go into that. Okay, it's, it's over. It's done. God is off the throne. He's not going to work. Maybe I'm just going to this, but he's not going to work anything out for good. Right. And, oh, and I'm going to go, like, crawl in the covers, put the covers over my head because God has forsaken me, which he never will. His word is very clear. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The only person he ever forsook was Jesus Christ on the cross to pay for our sins. He will not forsake us with us as a believers, which is so sweet and comforting. And the fifth pitfall uh, we need to avoid when we're dealing with a quote unquote setback is focusing on our problems rather than our God, the me, 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 me. <laughs> so we're focusing on ourselves and what we view is what we view as a setback or a pitfall we're, we're not focusing on our God. We're forgetting our God because whatever we focus on gets bigger. So if we focus on our God, our God gets bigger than our, than our setbacks or our pitfalls. Our, we realize, you know what? I don't understand this, but God does. And he's above all this. And his word says he works all things out for good. So I'm going to trust in him, as you said earlier, and not trust in my own understanding. Yeah, so, so good. I have this exercise I do sometimes with coaching clients. If you take a notebook or a hymnal or a bottle or anything that you have handy in front of you, any kind of a book, and you put it up in front of your face and you open up that book and you hold it very close to your face, you can't see very much of what's beyond it, right? Because it's consuming all of your vision. You can just see a little bit around the edges. But if you shut the book with your hands on either side of it, your hands make kind of a praying hands <laughs> uh, position right. there on the outside of the book. You've still got the book, but now you can see everything around the book. And this is like what you're talking about, that focusing on the problem versus God. Sometimes this problem gets so huge that it consumes our entire conscious awareness. It's the only thing we can see or feel, the only thing we're experiencing. And God's asking us, you know, I like that verse in, in uh, Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I think it's Jesus standing at the door of our heart, knocking and saying, Can I come in and talk to you about this from my perspective? And so we just need to fold that problem down, take it to Jesus in prayer, and ask him to talk us and walk us through it. Uh, you're joining us today for Marnie's Friends, Transforming Setbacks into Stepping Stones with Kim M. Clark. That's her website name also. We're going to come back and talk about four productive ways to discern the will of God in the midst of confusion, as well as three ways God challenges our faith, even while we're facing setbacks. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring nearly 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range, some near you. It's all available to you 24 hours a day, so you can start your most enjoyable speaker search anytime you have time. Search by location, name, topic, or fee range. Connect directly with the speakers you like using their social media links or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connection place since 2002. Speaker profiles include a bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. It's all fast fun and free to search anytime you have time day or night check it out right now womenspeakers.com that's www.womenspeakers.com 
Welcome back. This is Marnie, and you're joining us today for Transforming Setbacks into Stepping Stones with Kim Clark of KimMClark.com. Kim, let's go ahead and dive into the four productive ways to discern the will of God in the midst of confusion. And just before break, we're talking about how it can be so all-consuming. And I think it's oftentimes, even even when you aren't in the middle of a setback or something like that, it's oftentimes hard to discern the will of God. So what are these productive things that we can do while we're confused to move closer to understanding God's heart? Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Actually, I just did a webinar training on that completely dedicated, how do you discern the will of God? So I will distill it down to four productive points, but it is, it, it's a real challenge for Christians to, because there's, there's all this, I'll call it noise around it. The enemy throws noise uh, inside where we can be scared or fearful and that contributes to the noise. We can have our loved ones, well-meaning loved ones, giving us counsel, which might not be in line with the will of God. So there can be a lot of noise and it's really hard to discern, God, what do you want me to do with this in the midst of confusion or, or, or perceived setback? And the first thing I always tell when I'm, when I'm counseling with women or, or coaching women or, or just talking to some clients, I, I ask them, the first thing you want to do is observe. What, what is God trying to tell me about the situation, about me, and about others involved? And that really involves to kind of actually stepping out of the event. Let's say there's chaos happening. And if we you to take out you, like put another person in your character's spot, but take you out of that. And look at that interaction. And God, every time I do that, God reveals to me, the, and I pray and ask him to, but he reveals to me the other people's hearts and how God sees them. So, for example, what I might have saw as an angry, um, volatile outburst, God might show me just as one of his scared children who's terrified about something completely different but took it out of me in anger. Completely unrelated. I just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then God's showing me do you trust me and still love them despite being sinned against? Or there could be so many other examples, but just to observe and kind of come out of the frame, so to speak, of what's happening and, and pray and ask God to show you how, every, how he sees everyone else. And the second thing I always do is I want to observe, and the second thing is to pray. And I know I do that with observing as well, but this is just, okay, God, you're showing me how everyone else is reacting here and what's happening. I appreciate that. But what are you, what's your, what are you trying to accomplish here? Can you tell me even how to pray for this situation. Have your Holy Spirit guide me on how I should pray, whether I should pray for peace, reconciliation, or a breakthrough. Tell me what, how I should pray here. And one thing I always pray for, I ask him to give me confirmation of the flesh on how he's going to use this situation for good. Because sometimes, they're pretty bad, Marnie. Sometimes you're going through stuff, and it's 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 beyond deep waters. There's you're in an abyss. You can't see the end. And as an avid scuba diver, an advanced scuba diver, I have dove over abysses and endless drops in the ocean of of three thousand to five thousand feet deep, and you, you don't see anything. There, there's no end to it. And sometimes you're like, just give me something that you won't waste this, Lord. That you're not going to waste this. And usually he does, which is. It's so it's the kindness and mercy of God, in my opinion, that He does that. So I'm I'm grateful that He does it while I'm praying. It's just to just give me some confirmation of flesh. You're using this for good because right now, I'm wondering. I, I'm doubting you. <laughs> this looks that bad. And the right. first thing I ask to pray, 
I ask, I ask for him for the grace to endure with joy in case he doesn't lift this trial immediately. So sometimes, he, you know, sometimes you pray and God says, great, and it's lifted. But sometimes it's, no, this is your thorn in the flesh. You're going to have to walk with this. This is going to be difficult. So those are the three things I do when I pray, I ask God for. Now, the, the other thing I do, aside from observing and praying, is I seek wisdom. I try to discern the will of God. And I look at what does the Bible say about the situation? What does the Bible call me to do? I was struggling with someone once, and I remember going, okay, God, this person is so crazy and so nuts. What, 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 really, what is that in the Bible? What do I need to do with that? And I opened up the Bible. I'm like, show me in your word. And, and the verse just popped back to me. Live, if, in all, if it's all up to you, live peacefully with one another. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I can't control this, <laughs> but I can control me. And he's so faithful, praise God. So, and also, the other wisdom you can ask is, what does the counsel of others advise? And you're looking for, for women, we're looking for those Titus two women above us. We have Titus two women that we're mentoring below us. We're looking for someone. So, for example, if you're struggling with patience or with um, kindness, you're looking for someone that has that quality. And sometimes God will bring that person, go talk to this person or go talk to that pastor or go talk to this counselor. Or, you know what? I, sometimes I, just, I really feel led to ask you this question. They're like, it's funny you just asked that. We just mm-hmm. walked through that. And I had no idea they were, had to walk through the same season. So hmm. that's really, um, that, and he's so kind to even do that. And again, pray and ask God, who should I talk to? Because some people, you know, are going to give you advice that just fuels the flesh. Like, Oh, drop that friendship. You're drop. You know they're having. They, they've been mean to you twice. Now you're done. <laughs> That's not what the God says or the Bible says. And you're looking. Maybe you should look for someone. It's more of a seasoned thing that has said. You know, I've been through rough relationships, and this is how. And you pray and trust God. And sometimes it's safe to put up boundaries, but it's also safe to love them and bless them anyway. And I always look for those who've gone before me. So I'm looking for someone, for example, I've ran two marathons. When I'm getting advice on running or running a marathon before I ran my first one, I went to people who had ran marathons before. I didn't go to people who had never run before. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) If I'm I'm looking, if I'm struggling in business or if I'm struggling with, uh, you know, personally or with with children or with marriage or with coworkers, I'm going to someone where I've seen fruit and victory in their life. I, I saw how you triumphed over this. What did God tell you? How did God help you? How can I sit at your feet and learn? And you're also looking for someone with credibility. When I gave birth to my first child, I was in labor for 24 hours, and uh, actually she got stuck. My pelvis was crooked. She got stuck. I had to have an emergency C-section. I know. Four of those hours are back labor. I mean, it was killer. And I was like, after all this, you are not cutting me. <laughs> I was like determined to push this child out. Well, I create a vacuum. I'd press so hard. And they were like, look, this is really serious. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband at the time going, I think doctor was saying, we have to do this. C-section. We need to do this because I've just been through this. And I knew him and his wife. Like I knew them socially. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you've been through nothing. You don't have a uterus. You have no credence. You have no credibility. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so my husband's credit was like, I think we should listen. He's a doctor. He does this all the time. I'm like, he has no uterus. He has nothing. <laughs> but, but he was a doctor. And at that time, I wasn't behaving well. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you're looking for people who have credibility. And sometimes 
it's people who you think don't have credibility mm-hmm. who actually do. So mm-hmm. and that's why you have to pray, like, don't look at it in the flesh, like me thinking, oh, you have no uterus, you have no idea. But look, okay, you performed how many C-sections this week? I've performed zero. <laughs> so, right. That wisdom. And the fourth thing, uh, fourth way to discern the will of God is to use discernment. So that what is God calling me to do at this moment, at this setback, at this moment in time? Because what he was calling me to do before might be different. Or Marnie, what he was calling you to do yeah. might be different than what he's calling me to do. Because everyone's battle armor and the whole armor of God is different. And each trial or each setback is tailor-made to that specific individual. And I think that's really important because people can say, well, you need to do this because that worked for me and that recipe quote unquote or that solution worked for you for that time it might not work for me and I want to humble myself and hear from God to what he's telling me to do in this situation that's why it's so important when you're using discernment to be immersed in scripture so everything can evaluate everything through the lens of the word of God through the Bible because sometimes people give you advice and I'm like that's not biblical that's not what God commands me to do that's not what I feel strongly telling me to do in my heart, my spirit, but it's also not biblical. So although it might have, God might have blessed you with that, it's, it's not, I feel what God's calling me to do. Those are the four things. Kind of I, where, yeah. And that's kind of where the challenges so come in too, you know, where God has ways that he challenges our faith. Um, and part of it is other people tempting us to go somewhere he hasn't taken us. There, you have three other ways that God can do that. What, what were those? Absolutely. Great. So there's three ways I think God really challenges our faith when we're facing a, a, a step a step back. And those are kind of, okay, so we found out what the will of God is. We've kind of figured that out. So now we're being challenged in our faith. And I think the next thing we need to do is go, okay, what are my next steps? I, I lead an online Bible study on my book or a book study. I have three different times. But I this week was, okay, what is God calling you to do now that's stretching you, that's scaring you? And what's your next step? So you, you kind of get that, okay, I, God's calling me to do this, and God's calling me to write a devotional on my Deep Waters Lift Your Days book, and uh, and I'm doing it, and I'm finishing it up. So my next step is, like, you know what? Usually you know it's God when you don't like it. Like, when God <laughs> told me to run the marathon, I didn't want to do it, and I didn't want to change from it. But it was, mm-hmm. but through those running time, those times running, that's when God clearly spoke to my heart and gave me the fodder and the words for the book, Deep Waters, Lift Your Gaze. He just spoke mm-hmm. to me so clearly, and I'm like, mm-hmm. God, this is just for me. It's good enough. Cool. And God said, no, it's for everybody. Send it out. <laughs> but you, no, it's but it's, we don't like it because it's hard. It's usually, Or I want mm-hmm. you to go apologize to your neighbor who you respond unkindly to, even though they sinned against you big. I want you to go bless them with mm-hmm. a tray of brownies or just bless them. And you're like, I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> So that's how you know it's God, and it's biblical. Mm. It matches up. Mm. It matches up to what we're commanded in Scripture. And it's usually hard, but he always gives you grace to obey and such blessing. So that's the three ways I think God challenges us is to know your next step, the first one. The second one is who can I ask to hold me accountable? Okay, I've heard from God. I know what my next step is. I need to give brownies to my neighbor. I need to run a marathon. Who can I hold me accountable? And you want to look for someone who you're afraid of. For example, I, if, I, you know, if I need to give brownies to the neighbors, 
I'm not going to ask my son because he'll forget about it. He's seven. He's adorable, and he'll forget about it. And But if I'm asking my husband, honey, would you hold me accountable? I thought the Lord said i got to bless the neighbors with a trade burning, even though they were really unkind, and I didn't respond kindly, and I need to repent, and I need to give them a tray of brownies and bless them. He's going to remind me because I know that. When I was training for my marathon, my husband had run eight marathons when he was in his 20s. Now, I know, I mean, he's in his early 50s. I'm in my late 40s. It's a whole different ball game. And so I, when I asked him, hey, i got to run, and he would be like, oh, you don't need to. When you're running in your 20s, you can skip a run. When you're running in your late, skip a training run. You need every one because you're, you're, it's hard. <laughs> so I would get someone who was really intense and, and just passionate about running at that point in their life to help me hold me accountable to get my training times in, to get my training runs in, or else I wouldn't do it. So I had someone I was afraid of, and I always say this, instead of man up, God up, because, like, just just do it for God. you got to just do it, and you got, you know, God God died on the cross for me, and he's asking me to do this, so I need to God up and just be accountable to him and just do it because he said so, because I clearly heard him. And also pray for the grace to be humbly held accountable. So when you're asking to be held accountable, it's an act of humility. We, um, you know, we brainstormed with this couple last night, and we're kind of at two similar points in our, in our lives with this, with this couple. And I was holding him accountable to something he was going to do, and so was my husband, and he didn't like it. <laughs> he was saying, oh, stop pushing. I'm like, you asked me to hold you accountable. What are you going to do to meet this goal? And so you have to humbly accept, and it's an act of submission and humility to say, I need you to be tough with me. I need you to be lovingly tough with me and hold me accountable. And the third thing I think that challenges our faith when we're facing a setback is to, is to act, is to take that step of, step of faith. Don't flounder in spiritual paralysis. I mean, we know our next step. We have someone holding us accountable, but it's taking that step. And the Lord told me, Kim, I want you to launch an online Bible study. And I'm like, really, can I do one at church or at, at, at the library, an online Bible study? Who does that? What, what's that about? I don't, even, I don't even have a frame of reference how to do that. Mm. And I floundered, mm. and the Lord kept telling me, launch it, launch it, launch it. Finally, I was like, okay. Well, I, I just finished it this week. I did three separate, three different times. And Marnie was anointed. God just blessed mm. it. Mm. It was so beautiful. And God rewards the faithful, not the perfect, as you said earlier. Like, we're called to be obedient, not perfect. And we just need to yeah. do it. Take that step. And I love that because somebody else would be like, can I, can I, teach, a, can I teach an online one? Please don't make me teach a local Bible study. I really don't want to do the face-to-face thing. You know, it's so funny because God is always stretching us. And he's always calling us out to deeper waters, you know, and how yes. how he yes. does that. And it's so interesting where, you know, where we say, yes, I love that there's three points here, the ways that God challenges our faith. First of all, is to figure out, oh, no, your next second accountability partner. Third is take that step. Because just knowing it is not the same as taking it. It's a whole other oh. thing. <laughs> Isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah. To actually say yes and move forward. Yeah. A, a totally different totally different thing. Sorry about that. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and come right back. We're going to keep talking about this. We're also going to cover how to transform our setbacks into stepping stones and three bondage break strategies to help us experience peace even when facing obstacles and trials. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty, and you're joining us for Transforming Setbacks into Stepping Stones with our guest today, Kim M. Clark of KimMClark.com. Sorry about that, Kim. We cut you off just a little bit. Um, you were finishing up a thought there on three ways God challenges our faith while we are facing setbacks. What was that you were sharing right there at the end? Oh, I, I was just in complete agreement with you, Marty, that what's a challenge for me uh, might not be a challenge for you, and that's one of the presents for my book, and what's it trial for you might not even elicit a blip for me. So uh, you just never know. And, and God tailor makes our trials. And regardless of the reason, the end result is growth. It's spiritual growth. And he's not going to leave us or forsake us halfway. It's growth. He's, he's growing us into a, just a, a deeper and stronger reflection of his son. Yeah, I always say it's all about total dependence where we get past the point where we're looking to ourselves to actually accomplish or do anything, but rather letting God flow through us. And that requires getting all the junk out of the pipeline. <laughs> that is absolutely. a lifelong process. <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was how to actually transform setbacks into stepping stones. And I thought it was interesting when we started the show, you were talking about the two definitions. So the definition of setback included the phrase blocking of progress and the stepping stone definition uh, included the phrase means of progress. So it's like they're exactly the opposite. And yet, like you said, God uses them. God uses the setbacks to be the stepping stones. So when I'm in the midst of a setback, um, when it says how to transform, uh, is that something that's my job? Is that God's job? Um, what, talk to us about that a little bit. That, that's great because I, I believe God doesn't view what we view as a setback as a setback. I view God's mm-hmm. like, like kind of like the hand on my chest as you're walking as a snake they across. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I was thinking what I felt. It. I felt this physical presence. Don't go any further. And I ended up pulling my girlfriend back and then you see the snake. But I, I think we can look at that going, what? And we, and I guess I felt that hand on my chest before many other times. So I knew it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm waiting. So and I think that's what God does as Christians when he strengthens that trust muscle and going, wait a minute, I'm doing this for a reason. But sometimes it's new and we still get scared and we still get confused and it's and I, I agree with you I, I think it's this is how I phrase these is this is something we need to do and actually I have this in one of my chapters and one of the sections in my book is how to what's our response what's our response when experiencing a trial or a setback or we view quote-unquote a setback and the first thing I had is to know who fights for us if we know and trust who fights for us we we get it. We know it's the great Jehovah. And the great Jehovah Nishi's banner flies in front of us. That who represents us. And I always like the story when David fought Goliath. His focus when he went in that battle was not on the size or girth 
or whatever, or the fear around him of his enemy. And the fear around him, even on friendly fire, because even on the Israelites are all telling him, and the brother was saying, go back to the field, you arrogant little boy. And the king's saying, you're a kid. There's no way you can do this. Everyone else is cowering in fear. The enemy's oh, gosh, throwing all kinds of insults at him. But he didn't focus on any of that. His focus was on his God. He knew who fought for him, not the enemy. I love it. Like, who are you to defy the enemies of the living God? That's who, I mean, who are you? Who, who are you saying? Who are you to even defy the, you are, you can't defy, you can't defy it. It's God. God's on the throne. He has no equal. There's none like him. Please. And I guess if we remember that when we're going into battle, whose banner goes ahead of us, whose blood we're covered by, it's a whole nother story. And I love this quote. Um, I actually have this in my book by Alexander McLaren. The battle is the Lord, and that is the standard under which you war, is the God for whose cause you contend, nothing else and nothing less than Jehovah himself. You are consecrated soldiers set apart to fight for God. I have that on page 190 of my book. But we know who fights for us as we are concentrated, consecrated soldiers of the God most high with no equal set apart to fight for him. That's who, that who fights for us? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think that's huge. I think that's, that's our lifting of our gaze. That's our, that just that 45-degree tilt in our chin from mm-hmm. looking down our problems to looking up at our God. Might be a ninety degree, depending on how how low we're looking. How far the head has dropped? Yeah, exactly. Just that little tilt of the chin can change huge. Mm-hmm. I I believe. And so the second way to transform we I we can make our changes in ourselves to transform our setbacks and stepping stones is to put on the whole armor of God. And I, oh gosh, I can do a whole oh goodness hour long training on this, but. Uh, and actually, I, I go in this really deep into my book, and there's 10 aspects of the armor of God, and those of you who have my book, go in chapter 10, it's, it's amazing. Uh, those those just pieces of that armor of God prayer in Ephesians is so powerful. And I have a prayer in there, which I actually insert your name or people's name into that prayer. Finally, Kim puts on the whole armor of God, and I put the person's name in there that I'm praying for it. It's really an amazing, um, it's amazing prayer, and that's on page 220, 229 of the book. But pray that over yourself, over your family, or even over your enemies, because we're called to bless and pray for those who sin against us. In doing so, we're heaping coals upon their head, and we see that in Proverbs twenty five twenty two, and in Romans twelve twenty. But when we're praying that whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness we have the gospel of peace for our feet all those things that we pray over that's huge and especially when we're in the midst of a battle or we're dealing with setbacks that just provides such peace i can't tell you how many times i've done trainings on that or, or spoken on that or or you know I've prayed at prayer breakfasts and you just see the bondage and, and just dropping just praying that prayer that's a, such a powerful prayer that we have and personalizing scripture is an awesome way to pray. And that's one of my favorite ways to pray. And I, I have a quote that I pulled from my book regarding the whole armor of God is God, even today is looking for the obedient few to step out in confidence 
to claim in advance Jehovah Nishi's victory. The battle's already been won. And that's so true. That's from page 196 in my book. We just need to show up. <laughs> we need to not be perfect, as you said earlier, and show up because God's got it. I mean, our God's put on the armor. It's not, and you notice there's no armor for the back. So we can't turn and run and, you know, <laughs> put the blanket over our heads. We, our job is just to stand firm and to pray because we are the most powerful on our knees, remembering that God fights for us. That's who fights for us as we have the whole armor of God to quelt. And we use, you know, the, the sword of the spirit and the, and the breastplate of righteousness, all those to just quell the darts, the flaming darts, the evil ones. And the mm. third way I have is for us to transform our setbacks and settings is to serve others. The first was to know who fights for us, know that Jehovah Nishi, his banner, goes ahead of us. Second way is to put on the whole armor of God and to pray that prayer of ourselves, personalizing that prayer for you. It's in my book if you want to look it up. And the third way is to serve and bless others. Now, we, we see this in, uh, in, in the Bible. One of my favorite examples is this little boy who gives up his happy meal, gives it to Jesus. I mean, Jesus, you know, is preaching on the mount preaching to 5,000 men, not including women and children. There's probably a crowd over 15,000 people there, and no one brought food, apparently, or no one was willingly owned up that they brought food except for this little boy, who would be perfectly okay. He sits behind some elephant grass and goes eat his little lunch of his barley loaves and his fish that his mom packed him. But, no, he gives that to Jesus. And when he gives what little he has, because sometimes we can think, oh, God can't use me, or God can't use this, or God. And when we give what God's placed in us back to him, the blessing that he feeds the multitude. And, that, and it's hard because he was hungry. This little boy was hungry. It was lunchtime for him. But he trusted God and gave it to Jesus and said, you do with it. And there was 12 baskets left over. He gave up his happy meal. That was huge. And, you know, a friend of mine always was her dream to, was one of her bucket lists to run a marathon. I finished mine. I thought, you know what, I'll train with you and I'll run another marathon. She's like, you're kidding. I'm like, no. You know, and half, and I actually talked about that in during that chapter in my book, in chapter eleven. I'm like, oh, at one point I'm like, I was just tired. When you get to run forty miles a week, it's like a part time. I mean, you're tired, and and we're going on one of our long runs, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could do this. And, and she looks at me and she's tired. I'm like, I don't need to do this. And she's thinking, oh my goodness, uh, you know, you don't need to run this. You've already run your marathon. I'm like, I can't give up on you. I, I'm giving it to God, and God blessed our friendship, blessed our ran run and it was just amazing and um and last way i see that happening in, in the book it's over and over again but christ's focus was on us when he went to the cross when he was going to the cross being tortured i mean tortured on that cross it was not on himself he 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 died to himself and said you know not my will but yours be done which means taking the entire wrath of god which most biblical scholars, and I agree, was more painful than the physical agony and torture and, mm-hmm. and exhorbed the penalty and the wrath for my sin. That, and that's what God calls us to do. And, and, I, and there's grace for that. One of my favorite quotes is by Samuel Rutherford. It says, when I find myself in the cellars of affliction, I always look about for the wine, the Father's wine. Because mm-hmm. that's where his grace is. It's, it's there. And it's there for us to give and bless others. I can't tell you how many times I've been just suffering. The Lord's like, go bless this person. I'm like, God, I, I can barely get out of bed. Go, go bless this person. Pray for this person. So doing that, those three things, serving and blessing others, putting on the whole armor of God, knowing who fights for us, 
is I believe how we have victory over our setbacks and turn them, turn those setbacks into stepping stones because the only thing might have changed is the posture of our hearts, but that's where we experience the joy and that's where, that's where the victory, in my opinion, is. Oh, that's so beautiful. I always say when we put our thumb and our first finger together as close as we can, that's our part. And when we stick our arms out to the side and point to forever on each side, that's God's part. Jesus on the cross did that all for us, but we do have a part. And focusing on God, praising him, even through the difficulties, that sacrifice of praise, there's so many things that we can do right in the middle of the challenges. Love this. Uh, We're going to take a quick last break here. Come back and talk with Kim M. Clark, the author of Deep Waters, Lift Your Gaze More, about the topic of transforming setbacks into stepping stones. We'll be right back. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back. We're in the final segment here of our wonderful hour with Kim M. Clark talking about transforming setbacks into stepping stones. Kim, let's go ahead and address the three bondage-breaking strategies that can help us experience peace when facing obstacles and trials. Oh, absolutely. And, Marnie, you just you set it up perfectly right before the commercial break there. Is the first thing to do, the first bondage-breaking strategy to help us experience peace or facing our obstacles or setbacks and trials is to worship God anyway. Praise him in advance. You know what? I, I don't know what you're doing here. I, I don't like it. But, you know, I trust you. I worship you. I'm going to praise you in advance for turning something amazingly awesome out of the situation. Turn it to amazingly good. And that just, there's so much power in that going, you know, mm-hmm. Daddy, I don't get it. But you're 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 a lot smarter than I am, and you are wise beyond this. And if I had your view and saw what you saw, I wouldn't change a thing. So I'm just going to praise you in advance, knowing you're going to work all things for good, because that's how big God you are. Yeah. And the next thing, and then, and the next thing to do, I always do. Sometimes it's really, I, I, I feel a, a faith testing trial. I fast. And it doesn't have to be just from food. You can fast on social media. My husband and I fast from food or, or meals, or sometimes I fast for a long time from chocolate, which sometimes, ladies, that can be really hard. <laughs> also, uh, we can fast from technology. Um, we have sometimes we have technology free days, and we warn all our family and friends we're going off. We're going, you know, we're going off the grid here. Uh, if you need to reach us, you know what? Um, call us on the house phone, or, or that's the only thing we haven't unplugged yet, or. You know, just let us know if it's an emergency. We'll keep that on. But everything else gets turned off, the computers, the TV, the phones. Or you can, my husband's been fasting for social media for over a year now, and he, he, he actually loves it. But there's ways you can fast from, and you want to fast from something, something that you would go to for comfort instead of God and his word. So, for example, if I go to chocolate instead of God, I, that's my, and I'm going to it too often that I'm making an idol and placing it above God, God might say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm asking you to give this up. And if I'm struggling with it, I know it's a definite idol and it has to be done. I know, you know what, let's, you're absolutely right, let's do this. Set a specific time limit for your fasting. 
The one thing I always suggest is pray repeatedly, get people to pray for you while you're fasting. Like I'm, I'm going to fast now about this decision about X and I, I, I just ask you to pray for me in the next few days or the next day as I fast and I just pray. I, I could just really want to hear from God and I really want to make sure that God just is just blessing the situation or I just need him to intervene and I'm just asking for his intervention and just to break bondage or break the enemy. I just, just move mightily, move the mountain. And and also, especially pray right before the end of your fast. Okay, I'm going to break the fast. That's when I do my hardest praying. I'm like, God, I've been obedient. I'm asking you to bless this. And one thing I find that when I fast, God always seems to bless us, at least me, abundantly more than I even asked for or can imagine. So, for example, God seems to even lift an area where I wasn't even praying over, but God would give me victory mm-hmm. or lift an area. I was like, oh, my goodness. I, you know, I'm not getting frustrated like I normally do when my computer breaks down or when my whatever, something happens. I normally get, I'm like, wow. So not only did he help me in this other area that I was specifically praying on, but he also gives me victory in another area that I was like, wow, thanks for that patience. That was, oh, I, I'm just so grateful for that. And, you know, you just see that. Just that he's kind of like, oh, if you if you trust me, I'm going to exceedingly and abundantly bless you. And the third thing I I always do is this is a bondage breaking strategy is to pray and get others to pray for you. We are most powerful on our knees, and I think Christians don't realize the power of prayer. If we know who we're praying to, and our God delights in hearing our prayers, like when my son or daughter come to me, I delight in blessing them. I would love to bless them, and how much would my God? who gave me everything, who gave me access, full access to him through his son's sacrificial death on the cross, how much more would he give me? How sweet is that? So God blesses our humility when we pray. It reflects and shows our need for Christ. It also is an example that leads others to Christ. And bless it shows we all don't have, we don't have it together, but we know where to go for, for our strength. And who does have it all together is God. And that's a huge testimony to those who are watching us. Because believe it or not, as Christians, we're being watched. Our unbelieving family, friends, people around us, God's places. You'd be surprised. So many people said to me, you know, I noticed how you handled X. I didn't even know they were watching. And right. that, it, it really gave me pause. And tell me a little bit more about your faith. And I'm sharing the gospel and they're getting saved. I'm like, wow. And I didn't even know they were observing. So those are my those are my three bondage breaking is worshiping God anyway, fasting, praying, getting others to pray for us. That's awesome. So we've been talking about this the whole hour. Did you have anything you wanted to add to overcoming obstacles and how to use them for good? Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, to overcome obstacles, of course, I'm big on praying as you can as you can really uh, as you can really see, and and also to uh, ask you like what is what is God calling me to do at this point? Sometimes it's to change directions. Sometimes it's to wait. Sometimes it's to do what you're doing. Sometimes it's to do nothing, but sometimes it's to keep doing what you're doing if you don't hear from them. And another way to overcome obstacles is to uh, forgive because Christ first forgave me, first forgave you, that we need to forgive. And a lot of times that can be a huge barrier uh, in our life that God's bringing up. Oh, you need to forgive so-and-so. I'm like, oh, that was really bad, but, wasn't as bad as the mountain of sin that Christ forgave me. And in doing so, I find I get blessed so much more. And I find I get health issues when I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to unforgiveness, which turns into bitterness, 
which turns into to sin and death, and it's, it's just can be really difficult. But I always say, leave your baggage of unforgiveness at the foot of the cross and trust God. Lastly, just to know that it's through God's loving wisdom that he's holding you back or withholding something for you. Like knowing that, that hand on the chest, which I didn't see that snake in the grass, but that, but that highway, you know, that the highway worker, he did. And he saw it and he's like, wait, he was waving his arms and he didn't want to talk and scare the snake, afraid of what was happening. But God saw that and God held me back for a reason to know that that setback is actually might be God's hand on your chest going, you know what? I'm holding you back for a reason. And that's to me is, uh, kind of leads me into my the last most effective way, but did you want to lead into that the most effective way to triumph over setbacks? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, great. For me, the most effective way to triumph over setbacks is to choose joy. Uh, is mm-hmm. joy to me is, uh, and I just gave my daughter, the teenager, a plaque that has choose joy. And when I I did this you know, online book study this week, so many people said to me, Kim, you're so positive. You're so upbeat. I had no idea you were going through all this stuff. And I knew you through all this stuff because you're so positive because you chose joy. And, and I wrote in my book that, you know, joy is not a, a condition, a physical condition. It's actually that's happiness that everything's happy, but joy is a posture of the heart for the joy of the Lord is my strength that Nehemiah 810 in Psalm 28.7, having joy to know that your greatest need is met. God's going to take care of this, and we are reconciled to holy God. So our greatest trial has been, has been set. And to also lift our gaze, because whatever we focus on gets bigger. I talked about that earlier, but I can't reiterate that enough. And I love your analogy of that book, Blocking Our Vision. But when we pray and our hands are close together, suddenly – our focus is our gaze is lifted, and again, that 45 degree or 90 degree tilt needs to happen. That you know, our focus is on God, and our God gets bigger than our trial, and not our trials bigger than our God, which to me is, is the only way to walk through trials is to choose joy and choose focusing on God by lifting our gaze. I was talking to my son not even a week ago, and we were talking about this, and I said, you know. He was he was talking about how easy it is to um, look at the bad things, and I said absolutely. You know, through all these years, I have felt like I've had many jobs through all these years, but my full time job is choosing joy, and it's because we can so easily lose it. You know, it's it's the walking on the water toward Jesus and looking at the waves instead of Jesus's face. You know, it's the that whole uh, position of I love how you said the posture of the heart. And the heart can Amen. become, you know, very consumed with what's going on instead of the truth of it. The other thing I love about that verse, um, I heard a whole sermon on this one t- time, and I, uh, my name is Marnie, which means joyful, and then my middle name is Joy. So I've thought oh. about joy a lot in my life. <laughs> I guess I'm my name. Joy squared. <laughs> joy squared, yeah. <laughs> and um, but this whole sermon was about joy, but he focused on that first. The, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and he kept going back and saying. So if you don't have joy, what don't you have? Strength. If we don't have joy, we have no strength. Amen. Well, how, you know, how can we do anything? How can we let God do anything through our lives if we don't have joy, if we don't have any strength to let him? You know, you think about a person laying on their back on a table. They cannot move. They're just on life support. There's no choices, no decisions to be made. They need some strength. 
They need some energy in there. And the joy is where that comes from. So this whole joy thing is just a huge piece. And I love that you brought that up at the end. And, and uh, you know, one of the best ways to get there, and even, you know, like if Tony Robbins or anybody knows the physiologists, the physiology of your body to praise, the postures of praise, put your arms up in the air and just say, thank you, thank you. You know, just to move your body in a different way than you feel like. Because what you feel like doing when these things are all happening is you feel like what you said earlier, just crawling under the covers and not facing any of it, just try hoping it all goes away. But to choose joy. And then the last thing I was thinking, and then I want to give you a minute to invite people over to your site too here, but the last thing I was thinking is that a lot of times the reason that I don't choose joy more or that I don't obey God more is because it feels irresponsible. Sometimes Mm. the circumstances are so heavy that you feel like if I choose joy right here, people aren't going to understand. People are going to say that Mm. I'm not facing the truth, that I'm burying this in the sand. And I just want to encourage you, and I know Kim, you're with me on this, that you really honestly can have supernatural peace and joy walking through the worst of circumstances. God can carry you in such a way that others, like you say, will look on and not even know that you're going through what you're going. And those who do know, they are just amazed at what God is doing in your life. So be brave. <laughs> Have faith in Amen. God. Keep your eyes on him. And you guys, just, oh, Kim, this hour is full. Of You've done a fantastic job. But I want to invite you guys over Thank to you. Kim's site. It's KimMClark.com. And when they get there, Kim, real quick, what are they going to find over there? Oh, great. Well, yes, I have my book. Uh, I have Actually, I'm doing a book bundle for a limited time. Uh, for two for $25. Normally they're $17 each, but I, I really want to uh, just encourage people to do this online book study. The details are on there. There's a Zoom webinar and the times are up there. So that's what I'm kind of doing this month and focusing on because I feel like the holidays are the hardest times for people that are struggling. I think that's when the enemy, because I, I think the enemy wants to steal our joy and that because then we lose our testimony to unbelievers because if we can have the people here, oh my goodness, you're going through this and you had joy. I want what you're on. And I'm thinking, I tell them, it's on, I'm on Jesus. I'm on the Holy Spirit, and that's it. And praise <laughs> God, I got that, because that's all I got. And these ladies were telling me, I'm like, and you didn't know I was hanging on by a thread and a prayer. And they're like, no. So that's mm-hmm. what, that, and that's the beauty of God, and that's the power he can do. So, and that's what I really feel like through the holidays can be really rough. So I'm, I'm challenging everyone who's bought a book or is considering buying a book to grab someone and bring them on the Bible study or on the book study. And uh, there's a, there are three different times. And I, I do have the forward, uh, the intro, and the first chapter on there for free. So they can download that. Next week we're starting chapter one. So they're coming in at the perfect time. And I'd love for them to join. I'd love to meet them. It is a webinar. It's a lot of fun. And it's just so sweet. I've had The response has been overwhelming. So I do do a lot of speaking engagements. If you're looking for someone to speak, I I love doing that. I love meeting new people. And I just love sharing. Uh, God, I just, this book has been such a blessing, not only to me, but to so many others. It's just really, it's been a really sweet, um, it's a really, it's one of my, I think it's going to be one of my favorite books. I I know everyone has their favorite books, but I, for me, and even if I didn't write it, because I think it's going to be one of the top favorite books. So that's my only (laughs) plug for that. I can't tell you're excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kim, for being here. Fantastic. Sure, Thanks so much, my dear. Okay, bye-bye. And thanks, you guys, for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. So excited you've been with us this afternoon. We'll see you again next time. 
Bye-bye.